Act Two of The Sea Voyage by John Fletcher and Philip Massinger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sea Voyage A Comedy by John Fletcher and Philip Massinger. Act Two, Scene One. Enter Albert and Minta. Alas, dear soul, ye faint. You speak the language which I should use to you, heaven knows. My weakness is not for what I suffer in myself, but to imagine what you endure, and to what fate your cruel stars reserve ye. Do not add to my afflictions by your tender pities. Sure, we have changed sexes. You bear calamity with a fortitude which to become a man. I, like a weak girl, suffer. Oh, but your wounds, how fearfully they gape, and every one to me is a sepulchre. If I loved truly, wise men affirm that true love can do wonders, these bathed in my warm tears would soon be cured and leave no orifice behind. Pray give me leave to play the surgeon and bind them up. The raw air rankles them. Sweet, we want means. Love can supply all wants. What have ye done, sweet? Oh, sacrilege to beauty! There's no hair of these pure locks by which the greatest king would not be gladly bound and love his fetters. Oh, Albert, I offer this sacrifice of service to the altar of your staid temperance, and still adore it, when with a violent hand you made me yours. I curse the doer, but now I consider how long I was in your power, and with what honor you entertained me, it being seldom seen that youth and heat of blood could e'er prescribe laws to itself. Your goodness is the letha in which I drown your injuries, and now live truly to serve ye. How do you, sir? receive you the least ease from my service if you do i am largely recompensed you good angels that are engaged when man's ability fails to reward goodness look upon this lady though hunger gripes my croaking entrails yet when i kiss these rubies methinks i'm at a banquet a refreshing banquet speak my blessed one art not hungry indeed i could eat to bear you company Blush, unkind nature, if thou hast power, or, being to hear thyself, and by such innocence accused, must print a thousand kinds of shame upon thy various face. Canst thou supply a drunkard, and with a prodigal hand reach choice of wines, till he cast up thy blessings, or a glutton that robs the elements to soothe his palate, and only eats to beget appetite, not to be satisfied? and suffer here a virgin which the saints would make their guest to pine for hunger horns within ha if my sense deceive me not these notes take being from the breath of men confirm me my amita again this way the gentle wind conveys it to us hear you nothing yes it seems free hunter's music still tis louder and i remember the portugals informed us they had often heard such sounds but ne'er could touch the shore from whence it came. Follow me, my Amita. My good genius, show me the way still. Still we are directed. When we gain the top of this near-rising hill, we shall know further. Exit and enter above. Courteous zephyrs, on his dewy wings, carries perfumes to cheer us. The air clears, too. And now we may discern another island and questionless the seat of fortunate men 
oh that we could arrive there no albert tis only to be hoped this envious torrent's cruelly interposed we have no vessel that may transport us nor hath nature given us wings to fly better try all hazards than perish here remediless i feel new vigour in me and a spirit that dares more than a man to serve my fair aminta these arms shall be my oars with which i'll swim and my zeal to save thy innocent self like wings shall bear me up above the brackish waves will ye then leave me till now i ne'er was wretched my best aminta i swear by goodness tis nor hope nor fear of myself that invites me to this extreme tis to supply thy wants and believe me though pleasure met me in most ravishing forms and happiness courted me to entertain her i would not eat nor sleep till i returned and crowned thee with my fortunes oh but your absence suppose it but a dream and as you may endeavour to take rest and when that sleep deceives your hunger with imagined food think you have sent me for discovery of some most fortunate continent yet unknown which you are to be queen of and now ye powers that e'er heard lovers prayers or cherished pure affection look on him that is your votary and make it known against all stops you can defend your own exit enter hippolyta crocale juletta how did we lose clorinda when we believed the stag was spent and would take soil the sight of the black lake which we supposed he'd choose for his last refuge frighted him more than we that did pursue him that's usual for death itself is not so terrible to any beast of chase tis so dreadful birds that with their pinions cleave the air dare not fly over it when the stag turned head and we even tired with labor clorinda as if she were made of air and fire and had no part of earth in her eagerly pursued him nor need we fear her safety this place yields not fawns nor satyrs or more lustful men here we live secure and have among ourselves a commonwealth which in ourselves begun with us must end ay there's the misery but being alone allows me freedom but to speak my thoughts the strictness of our governess that forbids us on pain of death the sight and use of men is more than tyranny for herself she's past those youthful heats and feels not the want of that which young maids long for and her daughter the fair clorinda though in few years improved in height and large proportion came here so young that scarce remembering that she had a father she never dreams of man and should she see one in my opinion it would appear a strange beast to her tis not so with us for my part i confess it i was not made for this single life nor do i love hunting so but that i had rather be the chase myself by venus out upon me i should have sworn by diana i am of thy mind to wench and though i have ta'en an oath not alone to detest but never to think of man every hour something tells me i am forsworn for i confess imagination helps me sometimes and that's all is left for us to feed on we might starve else for if i have any pleasure in this life but when i sleep i am a pagan then from the courtier to the country clown i have strange visions visions crocolet yes and fine visions too and visions i hope in dreams are harmless and not forbidden by our canons the last night troth tis a foolish one but i must tell it as i lay in my cabin betwixt sleeping and waking upon your back 
How should a young maid lie, fool, when she would be entranced? We are instructed, forward I prithee. Methought a sweet young man, in years some twenty, with a downy chin, promising a future beard, and yet no red one, stole slyly to my cabin all unbraced, took me in his arms, and kissed me twenty times. Yet still I slept. Fie, thy lips run over, Crocolet, but to the rest. Lord, what a man is this, thought I, to do this to a maid. Yet then for my life I could not wake. The youth, a little danted with his trembling hand, heaved up the clothes. Yet still you slept? If faith I did. And when, methought, he was warm by my side, thinking to catch him, I stretched out both mine arms, and when I felt him not, I shrieked out and waked for anger. Twas a pretty dream. Aye, if it had been a true one. Enter Albert. But stay, what's here cast o'er the shore? Tis a man. Shall I shoot him? No, no, tis a handsome beast. And would we had more of the breed. Stand close, wenches, and let's hear if he can speak. Do I yet live? Sure it is air I breathe. What place is this? Sure something more than humane keeps residence here. For I have passed the Stygian gulf and touch upon the blessed shore. Tis so. This is the Elysian shade. These happy spirits that here enjoy all pleasures. He makes toward us. Stand or I'll shoot. Hold. He makes no resistance. Be not offended, goddesses, that I fall thus prostrate at your feet. Or, if not such, but nymphs of Dian's train, that range these groves which you forbid to men, vouchsafe to know I am a man, a wicked, sinful man, and yet not sold so far to impudence as to presume to press upon your privacies, or provoke your heavenly angers. Tis not for myself I beg thus poorly, for I am already wounded, wounded to death, and faint. My last breath is for a virgin, comes as near yourselves in all perfection as what mortal may resemble things divine. Oh, pity her, and let your charity free her from that desert, if heavenly charity can reach to hell, for sure that place comes near it. And where'er my ghost shall find abode, eternally I shall pour blessings on ye. By my life I cannot hurt him. Though I lose my head for it, nor I, I must pity him, and will. Enter Clarinda. But stay, Clarinda. What new game have ye found here? Ha! What beast is this lies wallowing in his gore? Keep off. Wherefore, I pray? I ne'er turn from a fell lioness robbed of her whelps, and shall I fear dead carrion? Oh, but... But what is it? It is infectious. Has it not a name? Yes, but such a name from which as from the devil your mother commands us fly. Is it a man? It is. What a brave shape it has in death! How excellent would it appear had it life! Why should it be infectious? I have heard my mother say I had a father, and was not he a man? Questionless, madam. Your fathers, too, were men? Without a doubt, lady. And without such it is impossible we could have been. A sin against nature to deny it. Nor can you or I have any hope to be a mother without the help of men. 
impossible. Which of you then, most barbarous, that knew you from a man had being, and owe to it the name of parent, durst presume to kill the likeness of that thing by which you are? Whose arrows made these wounds? Speak, or by Diane without distinction I'll let fly at ye all. Not mine. Nor mine. Tis strange to see her moved thus. Restrain your fury, madam. Had we killed him, we had but performed your mother's command. But if she command unjust and cruel things, we are not to obey it. We are innocent. Some storm did cast him shipwrecked on the shore, as you see, wounded. Nor durst we be surgeons to such your mother doth appoint for death. Weak excuse. Where's pity? Where's soft compassion? Cruel and ungrateful. Did Providence offer to your charity but one poor subject to express it on, and in it to show our wants too, and could you so carelessly neglect it? For aught I know, he's living yet, and may tempt your mother by giving him succour. Ha! Ah, come near, I charge ye. So, bend his body softly, rub his temples nay. That shall be my office. Oh, how the red steals into his pale lips! Run and fetch the simples with which my mother healed my arm when last I was wounded by the boar. Do, but remember her to come after ye, that she may behold her daughter's charity. Exit Hippolyta. Now he breathes. The air passing through Arabian groves yields not so sweet an odor. Prithee taste it, taste it, good Crocale, yet I envy thee so great a blessing. Tis not sin to touch these rubies, is it? Not, I think. Or thus to live chameleon-like. I could resign my essence to live ever thus. Oh, welcome. Raise him up gently. Some soft hand bound up these wounds. A woman's hair. What fury for which my ignorance does not know a name is crept into my bosom. <sighs> Enter Hippolyta. But I forget my pious work. Now if this juice hath power, let it appear... His eyelids ope, prodigious. Two suns break from these orbs. Ah, where am I? What new vision's this? To what goddess do I owe this second life? Sure thou art more than mortal, and any sacrifice of thanks or duty in poor and wretched man to pay comes short of your immortal bounty. But to show I am not unthankful, Thus, in humility, I kiss the happy ground you have made sacred by bearing of your weight. No, goddess friend, but made of that same brittle mould as you are, one too acquainted with calamities, and from that apt to pity. Charity ever finds in the act reward, and needs no trumpet in the receiver. Oh, forbear this duty. I have a hand to meet with yours, and lips to bid yours welcome. I see that by instinct. Though a young maid hath never seen a man, touches of titillations, and inform her. Enter Rosella. But here's our governess. Now I expect a storm. Child of my flesh, and not of my fair unspotted mind, unhand this monster. Monster, mother? Yes, and every word he speaks a siren's note to drown the careless hearer. Have I not taught thee the falsehood and the perjuries of men? on whom but for a woman to show pity is to be cruel to herself. The sovereignty, proud and imperious men, usurp upon us. We confer on ourselves, and love those fetters we fasten to our freedoms. 
Have we, Clorinda, since thy father's rack sought liberty to lose it uncompelled? Did fortune guide, or rather destiny, our bark, to which we could appoint no port to this blessed place inhabited heretofore by warlike women that kept men in subjection? Did we then, by their example, after we had lost all we could love in man, here plant ourselves with execrable oaths never to look on man but as a monster? And wilt thou be the first president to infringe those vows we made to heaven? Hear me, and hear me with justice. And as ye are delighted in the name of mother, hear a daughter that would be like you. Should all women use this obstinate abstinence you would force upon us, in a few years the whole world would be peopled only with beasts. We must, and will have men. Ay, or will shake off all obedience. Are ye mad? Can no persuasion alter ye? Suppose you had my suffrage to your suit, can this shipwrecked wretch supply them all? Hear me, great lady. I have fellows in my misery not far hence, divided only by this hellish river. There live a company of wretched men, such as your charity may make your slaves. Imagine all the miseries mankind may suffer under, and they groan beneath them. But are they like to you? Speak they your language. Are they able, lusty men? They were good, ladies, and in their may of youth of gentle blood, and such as may deserve ye. Now cold and hunger hath lessened their perfection, but restored to what they were, I doubt not they'll appear worthy your favours. This is a blessing we durst not hope for. Dear mother, be not obdurate. Hear then my resolution, and labour not to add to what I'll grant, for twill be fruitless. You shall appear as good angels to these wretched men. In a small boat will pass over to them, and bring them comfort. If you like their persons, and they approve of yours, for we'll force nothing, and since we want ceremonies, each one shall choose a husband, and enjoy his company a month. But that expired, you shall no more come near them. If you prove fruitful, the males ye shall return to them, the females we will reserve ourselves. This is the utmost ye shall ever obtain. As ye think fit, ye may dismiss this stranger, and prepare to-morrow for the journey. Exit. Come, sir, will ye walk? We will show ye our pleasant bowers, and something ye shall find to cheer your heart. Excellent lady, though twill appear a wonder one near starve should refuse rest and meat, I must not take your noble offer. I left in yonder desert a virgin almost pined. She's not your wife. No, lady, but my sister. Tis now dangerous to speak truth. To her I deeply vowed not to taste food or rest if fortune brought it to me, till I blessed her with my return. Now, if you please, to afford me an easy passage to her, and some meat for her recovery, I shall live your slave, and thankfully she shall ever acknowledge her life at your service. <laughs> you plead so well, I can deny ye nothing. I myself will see you furnished, and, with the next sun, visit and relieve thee. Ye are all goodness. Exit. End of Act Two